before you sit down, I want you to hear these words from Matthew 22. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together, and one of them, an expert of the law, tested him with the question, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Church, that verse and that song right there says it all in the Christian faith, in my opinion. Loving God and loving each other. And when we get those two things down, I mean really down, in the church, we're going to be doing okay. Amen? As we begin this morning, I want you to look at the screen, and I want you to look at this precious little boy. You remember, uh, how many months ago was it that he had surgery? A little over two months ago. You remember George and Valerie Spear, uh, their son, uh, Eli, went in for heart surgery. Uh, This is Glenn and Joy Barnett's grandson. First picture... Uh, First two pictures there preparing for heart surgery. Uh, As you can tell in the last slide, he is doing well. Um, I Man, I saw that. I thought, man, maybe all of us need to go in for heart surgery after I see that. But, uh, man, that is great. We give God the glory for that. And I just wanted wanted to announce that and get that word out. Uh, That's right. Today is his first birthday. So what a great... Uh, first birthday present that he gets, a new heart, a new life, and a new outlook on life. And so that is wonderful. Okay, I want you to imagine this scenario, and I know this is, you're probably going to think, why in the world are you starting your sermon this way? Uh, but maybe you'll catch on here in a minute. I want you to think about this. What if in the middle of the night your house caught fire and you had to evacuate quickly and you could only save one item? besides your children or your spouse, okay? What would that one item be? What is the one thing? Somebody actually answered it. What is the one thing that you cannot live without? Now, what if you were stranded on an island in the middle of the ocean? What is the one thing you would miss the most? I mean, what is the most precious thing to you almost more than life itself. Have you ever thought about those scenarios? Everybody has priorities, but often those priorities are not obvious and they're clouded by non-essentials. I mean, think about it. Most of the time we spend doing things that are not really essential and we go to places that are not really that necessary, but we do it anyway. And a lot of times, as the saying goes, in life, we just kind of get caught up in the rat race. We just go from one thing to the next, and we just get all in the middle of it. And so if we could begin to eliminate from our life the non-essentials, we might rediscover once again the important things about life that truly define us. I want you to turn over to the Gospel of Luke And we're going to look this morning at what Jesus says about kingdom priorities. Now, I want to start in Luke 
chapter 4. This is a, a text that we looked at last week, and I want to start up in verse 14. But before I do that, I want you to think about this. As you begin to go through the parables, okay, especially here in Luke, you begin to realize that Jesus is talking about here are things that really need to define you. Here are things that really need to be priority in your life. You see, here's what a parable is. A parable contains a truth that concealed that only the Holy Spirit can reveal. And this truth has to do with kingdom living. You see, on the surface, there may be some truth applicable to general living as you go through the parables, but I want you to see that the real purpose of a parable is this. It's to reveal truths dealing with life lived in the kingdom. Again, as I said last week, the most precious thing that we have here on earth is to be able to live in a different world, to be able to live in God's world called the kingdom of God. And so perhaps the most important concept in the New Testament is this concept that is foundation for almost everything that Jesus said and taught. The single thing that Jesus talked about more frequently than anything else was the kingdom of God. And so when he begins teaching, a lot of times you see this phrase, the kingdom of God is like dot 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 and you begin to see different scenarios that he paints well look at this text in luke chapter 4 that we looked at last week it says jesus returned to galilee in the power of the spirit and news about him spread through the whole countryside he taught in their synagogues and everyone praised him he went to nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to, number two, proclaim freedom for the prisoners, and recovery of sight for the blind. Number three, to release the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And here's what happens. Every time that God, through his son Jesus, every time he began to do those things, it was almost like the kingdom of God was striking back at the kingdom of the world. It was almost like Jesus is saying, every time I experience this and every time I live this truth out in your midst, I am throwing it back in Satan's face because I want to take back what he's grabbed from us. Okay? You see, all these things in life, as we look at priorities, Jesus begins to tell us these things are essential. These things are the things that, as folks lived in that day, they needed that. They needed freedom. They needed freedom from their sin. They needed to hear the good news, not just to the poor, but to the whole wide world. They needed those 
things. And so, beginning in Luke chapter 6, what we begin to see is this, that kingdom living is a life lived under the authority of a king. And so, I think the message that Jesus sends is, now that you're in my kingdom, you really don't have the right to live just the way that you want to. Okay? The way that you live, the things that you say, the things that you do, the way you conduct your life really ought to have a mannerism in the fact that I no longer belong to me, but I belong to King Jesus. And so the things that I do in my life is a reflection that I don't live in this world anymore. I live under a different authority. I live in the kingdom of God. And so the king has absolute authority when you look at it that way. And here's what we begin to see. His commands are not for our consideration, but they are for our obedience. Jesus didn't say, I want you to consider loving God. He didn't say, I want you to consider loving one another. Man, when you stand up and sing a song like the greatest commands, you begin to see this is what life is about in the kingdom. It's about loving God. It's about loving one another. It's about looking out for the interest of each other. Kingdom living means that we live with an awareness of the kingdom of God. When you think about it, church, as we live life today, man, we're aware of a lot of different things daily, aren't we? But when's the last time you've stopped to realize today is just one more day that I have the privilege to live under the authority of King Jesus? Today is just one more day that I have the opportunity to do things that will bless my King and bring honor and glory to his name. See, a lot of times we live as though the visible world is the only real world and seem to have no awareness that we're surrounded by another world which is more real than the world that we come in contact with each day through touch and through sight. Listen to these words in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 as Paul encourages the church in Corinth to fix their eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen, he says, is temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. Think about that truth. And so the more that I understand kingdom living under the authority of Jesus, I begin to realize that this same power that was available to Jesus that same power is available in my life. That same power is there for me. It's there for you. But the question is, do we really tap into that? Do we really look into that deeply and begin to realize that the things we do and the way that we walk and talk is not about me, but it's about being led by the Spirit? And when we're led by the Spirit, we're going to walk in the places where Jesus has already walked. We're going to go down roads that he's already been down. We're going to be doing things and participating in kingdom matters that he's already mapped out for us. He already knows the way. All he wants us to do 
is to take up the cross. How often, church? Every day. And deny what we want and do the things that please the king. And so listen to some of the priorities that ring out in Luke chapter 6. It starts in verse 37 where he says, Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And so with that teaching in mind, he also told them this parable. He says, can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A student is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and, and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, what happens? His mouth speaks. Well, we know that firsthand, don't we? How often do we get in trouble because of this right here? How often do we say something before really thinking about it in our heart and it just kind of, it just kind of gets on out there, right? Well, if you look here in Luke chapter 6, the basic theme that Jesus is laying down here really has to do with our relationship with others. What the parable is trying to teach us is that our relationship with others in the world around us clearly reflects the kingdom of God. So how you treat each other, what you say about one another, is a reflection not just on each other, but it's really a reflection on your relationship with God. About that. And so if you go jump back up to verse 39 for a minute, look at the basis of kingdom authority. It's discipleship. The key to discipleship is found in verse 40. A student is not above his teacher. If Jesus is the teacher, then who are the students? That's us. And so as a student, Jesus says, a student is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained, look at this, and this is the key to discipleship, when he's fully trained, you'll be like his teacher. Man, 
What's our priority? As we live life in the kingdom, Jesus is saying priority number one needs to be that you really want to be more and more like me. That's it. You want to love people like Jesus did. You want to minister in the kingdom. You want to minister in this world like Jesus did. You're becoming, as a student, you're becoming like your teacher. You're becoming like the model example. And so if the reality of life is that you're becoming like your teacher, I throw this question out today. Who is your teacher? Well, duh, preacher, it's Jesus. It's one thing to say that, but it's another thing every day of life to live that out. It's one thing to give lip service to it. It's another thing to live out that truth that he's really my teacher and I really want to become more and more like him. And so in order to answer that, you've got to look at your own life to determine what direction am I going? Is my life so cluttered, as we mentioned earlier, with non-essentials? Am I so wrapped up in the non-essentials of life that I have forgotten what is really, really crucial? I mean, you think about it, church. A lot of the things that we deal with, a lot of the things that we even talk about are not even kingdom matters. They're opinions, one way or the other. And you know the saying on that, everybody has one, right? But what really matters here, what is Jesus saying? The key to this, I'm the teacher, you're the student, now who are you going to follow? Because if you're going to follow me, there's a way to live and there's a way not to. There's a way to act and there's a way not to. And so one of the obligations of discipleship, whether you like it or not, here it is, is ministering to each other. Again, one thing to love God, it's another thing to love each other. And in the community of faith called the church, we have an obligation to live together in harmony in the body of Christ. Because here's what happens. When we're not living together in harmony, guess what? God is not pleased with our actions. When we're not living together in unity and harmony and striving toward one goal, Here it is. That goal is not about us. That goal is to bring glory and honor and praise to his holy and precious name, period. That's it. And whatever we can do to lift the name of Jesus up, so be it. But how we live and how we conduct ourselves with each other says a lot. And so the parable here discloses the proper way of doing that. And when you look at it, before you can go to a brother or sister and do what verse 37 
And 38 says, you better make sure that you've taken care of your own life before you can go and judge somebody else. Amen? That's in context. Okay? Because at the time that I'm about to judge somebody else, what does Jesus say? Man, what about, what about that plank in your own eye? What about your own walk, your own life? You better consider that before you consider passing judgment on somebody else. The dynamics of Christian discipleship include the community of Christ. And if you think about it, one of the most precious things that we have this side of heaven, just look around for a moment, church. I'm giving you permission. Turn around, look at each other. One of the most precious things that we have this side of heaven is our Christian family. That's it. So, come on, really look at each other for a minute. And here's the good news, or it may be bad news. I don't know. We're stuck with one another, okay? We're in this together. And so, understanding that, we have an obligation to the king because we're living under his authority. And guess what? As we live life in the church from that point on, it's not up to how I want to do business anymore. It's not up to you. There's a new king in town. Jesus says this is the way that it happens. This is the way that you're to love each other and conduct yourselves and minister to one another. And when you do that, it's not only a reflection on your personal walk with God, it will have an impact on non-believers. It will have an impact on those in the world. And so as we live in this world, we stay focused on what is unseen, but as we live life and the example we set goes a long ways right here. So people that are looking to us, may they see us looking to the king. May they see us looking at what is unseen. Because that is faith. And that's where my hope is. That's where your hope is. And so look at verse 43. Here's where it all comes out. The evidence of kingdom authority is fruit. Jesus says it this way. People are going to know who you are by the fruit that you bear. They're going to know who you are by the fruit that you bear. No good tree bears bad fruit, verse 43, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People don't pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. That's really not hard to understand, is it? If you want good things in your heart, guess what's going to come out of it? Good things are going to come out. If you store up evil, if you store up bad thoughts, negative thoughts, guess what's going to spill out of there all the time? Negativity. We need more positive people living in the kingdom. 
We need more positive people in God's kingdom bearing fruit as a testimony to look at what life is like under this authority. Look at, what li- look at how life is different. Because if you stop and think about it, one of the roles that we have as a Christian is to testify to the fact that my life as a Christian living under God's kingdom is much better than living life in the world. And you're able to prove that by your life. You're able to prove that with your faith. It's testimony. This is why we're different. This is why we do the things that we do. And that begins to open up doors of conversation to people in your workplace and in our life each and every day. And so notice how emphatic Jesus says this. As far as he was concerned, and his concerns should be our concerns, the fruit of your life produces evidence that you belong to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And the foundation of all of that is found in verse 46 as we close. It's obedience. Jesus asked a very important question here. Why do you call me Lord, but you don't do what I say? It's one thing to say it. It's another thing to have your life in harmony with his word. The two go together. And the thing that brings his word into harmony with my life, I'm obedient to the king. And so this morning, let's see this as a call to examine our motives. Let's see it as a call to examine our heart. And it is the pursuit of our daily walk with Jesus. Is that there? Or are you just cluttered and life is just there and you're just living the rat race folks there's more to life than all those non-essential things that we're so wrapped up in and i mean satan throws them at us every day he makes them look good and the more that comes into our heart Really, it's what Jesus said. It's just evil. It's not good. And it just clutters. What about sin? Is sin even a shock factor to us anymore? I was talking to somebody this week that in my life and in my heart, I know from Scripture what we were talking about is a sin. And it's almost like this lady that I was talking to from the community didn't even, I mean, the way that she said it and the way that she went about it, when I left the conversation, I thought, oh my goodness, have we just become so idle to the fact of, man, what was, what sin? We don't call sin anymore. I'm still trying to wrap my mind around what she was trying to say, but, and we had a good conversation, good spirit, good talk. But I'm just amazed at things that you and I 
look at and say, that's dead wrong. That is sin. And I'm not talking about matters of opinion. I'm talking about sin. The day that, right now, we live in a day where the world says, it's not, it's not, not like it was. It's not that bad. If it feels good to you, then it must be okay. We've got to be careful, church, that we live life in daily obedience to what King Jesus says. Because what he says is the ultimate authority. And so understanding my position in God's kingdom enables me to understand the power that's given to me as I live life in this dark world. We're more than conquerors, Paul says. We can overcome anything because the power of God is on our side. We need to be reminded of that because each and every day we are beaten down to not believe that. We are beaten down to believe that we can't conquer any of the stuff in our life, especially our own sin. And you know what? You can't do anything about your sin, but Jesus and his blood can. And that'll never change. Because the greatest problem that you and I will ever have is a sin problem. But the greatest solution that we will always look to is Jesus the Christ. And he can make us whole. And so, as we live life in the kingdom and we understand what some of those priorities look like, daily, may we look for ways to obey him because in that obedience, what we begin to realize is we're really pleasing our master. And that's what we want to do. Let's bow for a word of prayer. So, Father, we come before you this morning and we confess to you how weak we are. We confess to you the wrongdoing and the thoughts that we sometimes have in our heart. And Father, as we've looked at your word this morning, we want our heart to be filled with good things. Father, help us in our life to get rid of those non-essential things that clutter and that so easily tangle and the sin that becomes a part of our life. And help us, Father, to realize when those things are out of our way, we can see you more clearly. And Father, that's what we want to do today. We just want to see you clear. We want to love you a little more than we did yesterday. And Father, I pray that you'll bless us as we live life in your kingdom. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.